You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. And we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to contact the show, uh, send your questions, comments, hopefully nice ones. But we take everything to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. Just in case you're listening to part two and you didn't realize there was a part one. So Sandy is joining me for part two, which is greatly appreciated. So Sandy, after that long hiatus from part one, and now we're in part two, how are you feeling now? Oh, I had a nice little nap and uh, went out and had dinner. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just, I'm feeling every bit as well as I did the last segment. Cool. And it worked last time? I'm sure we're going to be fine this time. So we were talking... Um, Rabbinic laws, oral law, Torah law, and actually the Torah says that that you have to listen to the rabbis. So we said, yeah, you have to listen to the rabbis, um, but we still were discussing that issue. Well, let's go back from the beginning. We said when we when the Jewish people receive the Torah, so it says God put the mountain over the Jewish people and said you must accept the Torah. The only problem is we had already said the magic words of Nasev and Ishma. We will do and we will hear. That means we accepted it. So if we already accepted it, what are you putting a mountain over my head for? So one of the answers, there's a few answers, but one of the answers is we accepted the written law. We weren't 100% comfortable with the oral law. And I told you, why weren't we comfortable? Because the oral law is unending, technically. All the written rules, whatever Sabbath means, Sabbath means. Whatever Passover means, Passover means. But if I have to listen to the rabbis, how am I supposed to know if they won't just add on for add-on's sake? I mean, like, look at Congress. Like, yeah, it's they, like, like a constitutional amendment. The amendment wouldn't even be so bad, right? It's But they they sit there and make all their laws and tax laws and this laws. And, oh, right. and, and they're forever adding things that we never even heard of. Like, you got to find out every year all the new laws on the books. Right. So Purim is the time that we, that, that we accepted even the oral law because we learned throughout the story that by listening to the rabbis, listening to Mordechai, listening to Esther, that becomes in our best interest. That's what we, that was right. part of the record. Okay, it's just to get us uh, a little bit. So, but I did, yeah. So I told you. Highlights from the last episode. Highlights from the last episode. Ooh, lots of highlights. But now we got to, I, I keep saying we're going to get into the story, and I'm afraid I'm not going to get into the story. In case I forget, remind me that um, there's actually an interesting hint to the holiday of Purim in the Torah. Okay. So many times when the rabbis instituted laws and rules and regulations, even if it wasn't a, a law that you could pull out from the Torah itself, but you could see the Torah is very happy with this idea. So hopefully at the end of the show I'll remember to say it. Or you remind me and I'll forget and I'll have to do it another week. Remind me to remind you. I will remind you to remind me. Okay, thank you very much. So in, in your mind, where does the Purim story begin? Uh, in Shushan. In Shushan. But so what was Shushan? The, Shushan was, uh, wasn't it the capital of Persia or a yes. major city in Persia? Now interesting enough, 
And I told you I had a book with archaeology. Wherever Shushan's located, and I'm not so good with maps of Persia. We're pretty sure it's nowhere at the moment, right? Well, it's, in the middle, it's, in, it's in the middle of nowhere. Remote place. And it wasn't even the real capital. It actually became the capital. It's a pretty humorous story. I'll tell you the story. Uh, I mean, I can ask you familiar with it, but this is not a familiar story. So um, it really goes back to the time of King Solomon. King Solomon had this amazing throne. And the throne, whether it was miraculous, whether it was mechanical, it doesn't really matter. But he had this throne that, you know, you get to the first step and the lions pick you up and put you on the second step. And the eagles get you to the next step and the next animal, the bears. I, I don't know all the animals. But there was a, a group of animals that basically lifted you up from step to step. And then the king sits down on his throne. Now, this was an amazing throne. Um, there was you, know, actually, you don't see that at the average furniture store for sure. No, because it's big and heavy and very, very expensive and uh, okay. very not practical. I mean, you can only imagine what your kids would do on oh, this yeah. chair all yeah. day long. So it's they'd, easy they'd, not they'd to have. Spill the milk and, oh, yeah, it'd be a mess. And then they blame everything that happens on the animals. It's oh, not yeah. going to work out well. So um, there was actually a pharaoh that wanted to use this throne. It must have conquered it, taken the throne with him after Solomon's times. And he goes to the first step. And again, I don't care, miraculous, mechanical, whatever he did wrong, the lion at the beginning gave him a whack. He was actually known as the lame or limping pharaoh. So he realized this was a dangerous throne to climb up on because if you didn't know how it worked, it wasn't going to work. Ahasuerus also wanted this throne, but he knew, I'm not going to waste my time. It's not going to work for me. So I'm going to at least have a replica built. So the, the artisans were in Shushan, and they built this humongous replica of a throne for Ahasuerus. Uh, the problem was they they didn't plan well. So after they finished their amazing creation of this throne, they couldn't move it. Oh, it's so like the guy you, who built the boat in the basement. Yeah. Right, right, pretty much. So what do you do? you got to flood the basement, yeah. right? So um, Or what Noah did, right? Let the flood come to the ark instead of bringing the ark to the water. Same right. story. So this amazing, powerful... Persian, uh, whatever they called their leaders, the Sacheverius decided, if I can't bring my throne to the capital city, I'll just move my capital city to my throne. So he did. So Shushan became the capital. So they basically built the palace around his throne, right? which is kind of strange. but yeah, It's an innovative solution. Yes, yeah. it does work. And again, if, if you are the king, so what, somebody going to question your, right. your thought process? Like, I don't think so. Right. So when he, when he, when he, it took a few years, when he gets his capital now, his palace built in Shushan, he is ready to uh, make a party. To uh, basically, he's, he's running the world right now. He rules the world. So you want to bring in all the different countries and, and officers and ambassadors, and you're going to throw a party. Now, not like nowadays, if the president wants to make a party, so you you know you have a banquet, you have a dinner, fly everybody in, let them stay for a day or two, and fly them out. It was a big world, right? And it took a long time to and get they didn't places. Have planes, yeah, yeah, until you got back and forth, and they didn't do one day parties. They didn't have the emails and the phones and the computers and the systems that everybody gets all their paperwork in, and you have all your people reading the paperwork. Everybody wants meetings. Everybody wants to talk. So it was going to be a 180-day party. Yeah, so more of an open house. Yes, an open house, 180 days, important people, enjoy the palace, enjoy the food, enjoy the ambiance, show your power, 
have everybody there. So the story starts out with a 180-day wild party. Okay, party, it was probably normal in those days to have very long parties. I mean, even even the emperors, like in the Roman Empire. So um, which one am I thinking of? Uh, not Maximilian, but the one that came after Maximilian. Okay, his name escapes me. But whatever his name was, um, when he every time he sat as king and different uh, and different uh, generals and and leaders and stuff came, it was from he would sit for months. It would take months for everybody to get their meetings with him and make decisions. Decisions didn't happen overnight. It took a long time. So um, in any case, we don't care about him. But um, in any case, after the 180-day party, so Achishverosh decides you know, it would be a really good idea to, for the local populace, the people who are going to have to protect me if something goes wrong, to, uh, we'll make a short party. A special little event. A special right? little event. So you know how long after that party was? Uh, four weeks. No, but that's a much better try. Um, it was one week. One a week-long week party. Okay. And this is where that's the story... Still more than I can handle. Yeah. And they're drinking a lot of wine. I don't know how these people drank all that wine. But all they did was drink. Everything we talked about, the whole story of Purim revolves around wine. Right. So um, they're all drunk. Now, the Jews went to the party. Mordechai told them, don't go. But the Jews said, and it makes sense, right? Hello, the king is telling us to come. If we don't come, we're going to insult him. We're living in his country. Right now, he's nice to us. How do we know he'll become, he, he'll stay nice if we don't go to his party? Right. right? Rub so, elbows, yeah. Right? So remember, we said earlier, we said, we learned the lesson from the story of Purim that when we listen to the rabbis, we do better than when we listen to ourselves. So Mardachai says, don't go. We say, we're much smarter than Mardachai. So we're going to go because we know politically it's important for us to be there. Right? That didn't turn out well, at least at the beginning. Right. Right. Um, on the seventh day of the party, which many say was actually the Sabbath, so the Jews didn't go. They're home with their families. We rubbed the elbows long enough. Six days is enough. Um, so a, a part one of the story takes place to almost like for God to get all his pieces in place right. to save us. So what was, what was that first uh, happening, major happening in the party? Uh, Mordechai caught wind of an assassination? Was that, am I going to go no, on? that's part two. That's part two. That's part two. But over here, something happens very, very important to the story. Oh, is this where, uh, where Vashti meets her demise? Very good. Vashti gets killed. What happened? Uh, he, uh, he, the king Achishverosh, uh, calls for her to come and uh, and entertain his buddies. Yes, in in a way that she wasn't comfortable with. Well said, and what and so what does she say? Um, she said, "You and your buddies go." Uh, no, I uh, yeah, pretty much by uh, the way, that's yeah. probably what happened. Yeah, something. Yeah, uh, she refused. Uh, no, right. she refused his order to come. Right. So, however, she sent back the message, and I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, it's like he said, "Come in here and dance," and she said, "Get no. lost." <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah. Wife's not always listening. It's all it took with him, I think. And yeah. So interesting. So he said he asked somebody, "What do you think I should do?" Right. And his, I don't know, was that Humming or his yes. advice? Yes. So his advice was, hey, you can't let her get away with this. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody will respect you. And... So there's a lot of interesting play on what's happening. First of all, you have to know who the players are. So Achishverosh is a new king, meaning he's not, this, he's not inheriting the, the kingship from his father. He actually is getting it from his father-in-law. His father-in-law is Vashti's father. Oh. So he's like a new king now. He's not royal blood. 
So he has a problem, right? If the Vashti is pretending because she's royal blood, that she's all that counts, and not Ahasuerus, so now he has a problem. Now he's going to be Mr. Queen. Yeah, right. First, first yeah, husband. Yeah, they know who wears the pants in that castle. Definitely. So now Haman, the joke goes with Haman that his wife never, you know, he was always like, browbeaten or whatever the word is. His mm-hmm. wife took advantage of him. She was the important one. So he needed to find a way that his wife should respect him. So that's like a side joke that travels yeah. through the Megillah. So uh, Hama gives the advice. Interesting, Ahasuerus asked the rabbis, what should we do? So the rabbis were smarter. They said, what are we going to say? He should kill his wife. And then next week when he's sober and he realizes we were responsible for killing his wife, he'll kill us. Right. So they, the rabbi said, you know, your majesty, since we've, we're in exile, we're not in our land anymore, we do not judge on capital punishment. We just don't do it. That's our policy. So he let Haman make the decision. So Haman decided to kill her. He kills her. Okay, now part two of the story. So now we have the king needs a wife, or he needs a queen. He may have had a thousand concubines, but he needs a queen. Right. So he wants a queen. So his uh, his his officers say, hey, let's let, let's bring in every pretty girl we can find, and you check them all out, and the one you like best, uh, like you talk about a parade or a carnival. So um, you can imagine that Esther, right? The last thing she wants is to be in a beauty pageant. Right. right? The last thing she wants is for the king to try her out for size, and if he likes her, he'll keep her. And if he doesn't like her, you know, throw her with all the concubines. Right. She's not interested. Not interested. Uh, but you had no choice because, interesting enough, everybody understood this problem. In other words, it wasn't like they put up a sign, whoever wants, show up. Once everybody realizes that the king can try you on for size, if he doesn't like you, he puts you in his concubine house. Uh, what do I need this for? Oh. So they actually needed to find people to go grab girls off the street for the parties. I thought they women came from all high and low and all over in hopes of having a chance at being the queen. Right, so if that would be true... So it does say that they, they, they took Esther. Okay. Why would they have to take anyone if they I have more than they simply, can deal with? I thought she simply didn't want to, didn't, wasn't interested in the job. You know? Both. She wasn't interested. I mean, hey, well, you know, look at, what happened to the predecessor. You know? Yes, you know? it, this, is not, this could be dangerous. Yeah. So, um, so they, it may have been both. They may have had volunteers, but they certainly had people running around looking for uh, contestants. And you, you had a year to prepare yourself, your oils, your makeups, your perfumes, I don't know, oils, whatever they did. Right. So Esther has her turn. She meets with the king. The king says, you're the one. Now, another fascinating thing but to know. Go ahead. She didn't fix herself up, right? All the other women put on their finest jewelry and, and made them say, and she went right, in right, plain. She went right, plain, right? Right, right. So what she did was it says whatever this hasach, he was like in charge of all the ladies, whatever he told her to do, she listened to. She didn't do extra, she listened to him. So what's interesting is this, this city of Shushan must have been a real cosmopolitan city with people from everywhere. And no one knew who anybody was. Like, how do they not know she's Jewish? Like, it's not like she, she, it, it, her, her, her cousin is Mordechai. Everyone knows she's Jewish. Somehow, part of the miracle, no one knows she's Jewish. And she doesn't tell. And Ahasuerus even makes other parties to get her to tell. She won't tell. Now we have Esther as one of the pieces in place. Next piece we need is what you said before. What was the story you said before? The assassination attempt. Ah, so Mordechai overhears an assassination plot. He tells Esther, 
Esther tells Achashverosh, they write it in the book, and Mordechai is not rewarded. Now, this is called the healing comes before the, the, the hit or the, or the disease. And as Mordechai is in place, Esther convinced Achashverosh she should have a Jewish advisor. So he takes Mordechai, just like earlier, Persian kings had Jewish advisors. She's in the palace. Now God can get the Jewish people nervous. So God gets Haman to be, uh, become prime minister. Haman is now prime minister. Haman wants everybody bowing down. Everybody's got to bow down to me. That's what he needed. And Mordechai refuses to bow down. So again, the, the regular populace say, Mordechai, like, how could you not bow down? You know, he could get angry. He could kill you. And Mordechai says, I'm not bowing down. Now, we have no problem bowing down to people, right? We have no problem bowing down to people. They always bow down to kings, right? The brothers bow down to Joseph, right? This is normal, right? But either some say that Haman was, had an idol dangling from his neck or he, he wanted to be like an idol or something. In any case, um, Mordechai doesn't bow down. So again, the people say we're smarter. Mordechai, you're doing the wrong thing. Mordechai says, I'm smarter. Hama goes home. You got to think, you know, what these people are thinking is really amazing. It's not good enough for Haman. See, if I'm Haman and there's a guy bothering me, first of all, I got all the honor in the world. If I have all the honor in the world, why am I letting this fly bother me? He bothers you, kill him. Right. No. What is Haman's reaction? The, 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 you, have, you have hurt my honor. What is Haman's reaction to, to, uh, to Mordechai not bowing down? Uh, we must kill all the Jews. Does that make any sense? Uh, well, maybe, uh, yeah. No, I mean, it must have made sense to him for, in some way. Well, but, obviously, in, in his yeah, mind, yeah. it made sense. But, but again, in the miracle, in the whole story, right. God is playing yeah. over here. There's no right. reason you want to destroy all right. Jews. He could have just whacked Mordechai at the time and say, look, just I'll kill him. on the count of three, and if you're still standing up, then... then you know. Right? That's, right. You know, right. But, that should be one of the questions. But he, meanwhile, he stewed in him, and he got angrier and he angrier. He gets angry. And, and he started thinking and... He makes his lottery, and he goes to the king, and he says, "We gotta wipe out the whole Jewish nation. We can't. We First can't do it." There's Mordechai. Jewish. Next, there'll be all of them. Yeah, I don't, he doesn't even say it that way. He just goes to Achishverosh. Now, it is not clear in the Haggadah if Achishverosh really knows what Haman is planning. There's other. The Talmud talks about it. There's something called the. Um, I think it's called like the Second Megillah. The Megillah is being written in Persia, where Achishverosh is king. You cannot print a book talking about how horrible and wicked Ahasuerus is, right? Because he's still going to be king right. even when Haman is gone. Yeah, we'll be on so the story is going to be written that Haman is the worst and Ahasuerus didn't realize what his prime minister wanted. However, it is debatable how much Ahasuerus really knew or just right. trusted his prime minister. Okay. Yeah, there's some uh, literary license. Definitely. No, but not just a little bit. I know. Like I, a lot. I, right. Okay. So he makes his decree. They send out the decree. Mordechai gets wind of it. And he, he doesn't want to come to the palace. He sends a message to Esther. And Esther, like every good queen, everybody wants to help. Mordechai says, you got to go to Achashverosh right away. you got to go. Obviously, if God put you in the palace, a nice Jewish girl like you, why should you become the king's wife? It doesn't make sense. So obviously, God put you there. Go to Achashverosh right now. So Esther says, come on, Mordechai. You know... 
Achashverosh is really busy. And Nobody I, wants to listen to Mordechai, boy. Yeah, it's boy. amazing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You know, he hasn't he hasn't called me for a month. He's got to talk to me one of these days. We got twelve months till this decree takes place. Let's uh, let's give it away. It's like, what's the rush? What are you so worried about? We'll take care of it in a couple of days, yeah. a week or two. He's bound to call me. We'll work it out. Yeah, yeah. And again, Mordechai says, "Listen here, dear Esther, God is going to save the Jewish people. That's happening." The only question is, who gets to be the one to say, I save the Jewish people? It could be you, or you could hide in the palace, and you will disappear in history, and someone else will become important or famous for saving the Jewish people. So if you want, it could be you, you go now. You don't go now, it's going to be somebody else. So Esther listens. Now we have listening to Mordechai. Esther says, fine. Tell everybody to fast for three days and three nights. I'll go to the king. And whatever happens, happens. Because, she was afraid, though. Yeah, because if you went into his, into his chamber, into his private throne room without permission, so first they killed you, then they asked you what you wanted, uh, which is not yeah, helpful. Right. Right? So unless he puts out his scepter. So she goes ahead, and they fast for three days. On the second day, she goes to Achishverish. He, he sees her. He stretches out his scepter. And she says, uh, he says, what do you want? He says, I want a party with you and Haman. Okay, no problem. That was easy. That was easy. Right, they make the party. She a new car or something. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, she could ask for that. He says, up to half the king, you can have whatever you want. Oh, right. He goes ahead. He makes the, he, They make the party, and Esther doesn't ask for anything. So the king says, Esther, you, you, you put your life on the line to make a, a party with me, and you didn't ask me for anything. What gives? You know, your majesty, well, let's make another party tomorrow. Um, Haman goes home, all happy. And he sees Mordechai, he's all upset, all angry. It ruins his mood. Ruins his day. You can't get more honor than, than Haman has right now. And again, he's allowing Mordechai to get under his skin. It is unbelievable. Did we skip the part about where he's uh, where he has the insomnia, where Hashvaros has the insomnia? No, or is right that coming? Now. Okay, sorry. Right now. I'm telling out order. Right now. Right, but very good. Another so what happens is Ahasuerus can't sleep because he says, why is Esther inviting my prime minister, are they plotting against me? How come no one's telling me? And in those days, it was very easy to take care. Your spy system was, if you tell me uh, an assassination plot, I'm going to make you a multimillionaire. A very simple process. He's worried, maybe somebody saved me, and I never paid them. They go to the books, sure enough, eh, Mardachai, we never paid. Meanwhile, Haman is going ahead and saying, I got to kill Mardachai. I'm going to make a big gallows and make a whole party and tell the whole world about it. Haman's not realizing he's planning his own gallows. So Haman comes in the middle of the night to speak to Achishverosh. Achishverosh can't sleep because he thinks Haman is plotting against him. All these machinisms are turning at people's heads. The king says to Haman, it's brilliant. He says, Haman, um, I got to honor somebody. What would you do if you, have to, if, if you had to honor somebody? What would you do? So Haman thinks it's him. Haman thinks the king's talking, what would you do to honor me? Oh, our, uh, the king's horse, the king's robes, the king's crown. Now, Achishverosh thinks Haman wants to kill him. And Achishverosh knows that Haman thinks that Achishverosh is talking about Haman. Right? right? Achishverosh has gotten Haman to say, what do you want? And Achishverosh has gotten Haman to say, I want to be king. Uh-huh. So now the king is nervous. So what he says is, he says, Achishverosh says to Haman, great, do that to Mordechai, because I owe him. 
Haman now is, no, he's really... I, I'm on my way to hang him. Instead of hanging him, I got to parade him through the streets. Now I'm in trouble. Now I'm in trouble. Now the truth is, I'm also in trouble because <laughs> I've just run out of time. So, Sandy, part we three? didn't. We're gonna have to do a part three. I ain't doing it today, but we're gonna have to do a part three because we had such a good time. I do appreciate it, and I had so much fun talking about Purim with you today. Even though you're a little raspy, which is good. It's only four cartons a day. I four cartons. Get some low notes these days. It is amazing. I hope you enjoy Purim. I hope you have a wonderful Purim. I hope everybody has a wonderful Purim. But my music is playing. We're going to have to finish the story another day. And as always, we got to say goodbye to everybody. So thank you to all our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I couldn't do without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have Kelsey, Angel, Stephen, Andy in the back. I hope I've left you with some, with some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.